Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of Galatians. The New Testament book of Galatians and Galatians in chapter number 4. Galatians and chapter number 4. We are now finishing up our last message on the lineage of Jesus Christ by speaking about Christ himself. And instead of doing a character study on the entire life of Christ, we're just going to pay attention to the significant events of his birth as fulfilled prophecy and fulfilled history. Of course, this morning being our Christmas message, we hit another message that goes similar to it. But we want to take our own message to cap off this series of the lineage of Christ and to be encouraged to see the fulfillment of everything that has been led up to it. Remember that there were certain promises that God had made to Abraham that God would bring forth a seed from him. That God continued his promise to David that there would be a king that would sit on his throne. And the capstone of all of these prophecies would be Jesus Christ himself. The lineage of Jesus Christ shows God's timing, God's perseverance, God's fulfillment when the fullness of time was come, as we'll see here in just a moment in the book of Galatians in chapter number four. The book of Galatians chapter four, and we're going to pit stop at just one verse to start off with. Galatians chapter four and verse number four. Galatians chapter four and verse number four. It says, but... When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of sons. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Galatians chapter number 4. Galatians chapter 4, and notice with me in verse number 4, the phrase, made of a woman. Made of a woman. And with the Lord's help, we're going to go ahead and hit a message speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ with this entitled, Made of a Woman. Made of a a woman. And with this, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you, we're just thankful for your prophecies, your promises, for your provisions, for everything that you promised and provide for us. We're so thankful what you do for us. I'm asking that you would open up your scripture and open up this history, open up these things to see what a perfect God that we have to line up everything the way that it had to be lined up for the purpose of sending forth your son to be robed in flesh, to dwell among us, and then to die for us 
Thank you so much for the wisdom, for the amazing God that we have. Again, fill me with your precious spirit for the purpose that you promote yourself through your precious spirit, through your precious word even now. Just I surrender myself to you. I look forward to seeing what you're going to do in this message. In Jesus' name, amen. In Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 is a theological masterpiece of a verse because in this verse contains so much about the wisdom of God. Now remember as we're placing the emphasis on the lineage of Christ, we've traced the lineage of Christ from Adam to Jesus Christ. Through it we've seen many characters. We've seen good characters, bad characters, good kings, awful kings. We've seen Gentiles that have been placed inside of this lineage. We've watched kings that have aggravated so God that God put a curse on anyone that was a king and blood related. And yet through all of this history, throughout all of this lineage, throughout the family tree, God's way is perfect. And he gave us the Lord Jesus Christ made of a woman as God had prophesied. We're going to turn back to Galatians chapter 4 in just a moment, but I want to put an emphasis on this made of a woman. As we're putting the emphasis and the application through the lineage of Jesus Christ, I want to show you a little bit more as we trace this promise. Let's go to, first of all, Genesis chapter number 3. Genesis chapter 3 and in Genesis chapter 3, we all go back to the very beginning. Genesis chapter 3, and we come to the fall of man. Adam and Eve was the first man and the first woman. And because of sin entering into their life, they had broken fellowship with God. And God lined them up in Genesis chapter 3 and is giving them, finding out who's going to take responsibility. And then God begins to give the sentencing out to each of the participants. He gave it to Satan, he gave it to the woman, and he gave it to man. And I want you to see that not only did God, as he's giving the punishment and putting the separation between him and man, but God does not leave them without hope, but gives them a promise of a redeemer. Genesis chapter number 3 and verse number 15. Genesis chapter 3 and 15, as Jesus or God is now talking to the uh, to Satan, and he's giving a promise to Satan. We see that it includes a promise of a redeemer for man. Verse number fifteen, Genesis three fifteen, and I, God, will put enmity between thee, Satan, and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it, meaning the seed of the woman, shall bruise thy head. And thou shalt bruise his heel. So in this, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, we have the very first promise of a redeemer. And in this promise of the redeemer, this is a big fancy promise. They call, give a big fancy word to it, the proto-evangelium, the first promise of salvation, the first promise of redeemer. We could see something interesting that God is talking to Satan and I will put enmity in, make enemies between thee and the woman. Notice that the man is not placed in this. Satan and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. You see here God is giving a promise that's going to be concerning Eve that Jesus Christ, this lineage is going to come from her seed. This is the promise that it, he is going to be made of a woman. 
that God is going to do a miracle and he's going to bring it through her seed. Of course, as we turn to the New Testament, we turn to Matthew chapter 1 and we see the fulfillment of this prophecy. Matthew chapter number 1. Of course, we just made mention of this in our last message in the lineage of Jesus Christ and Joseph. But let's return to it in Matthew chapter number 1 and in verse number 20. So back to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20. Notice with me as we started off, remember that Joseph just received the news that his bride-to-be is now expectant. And now we had to figure out what he's going to do with this information. Verse number 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And now this was done that it may be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted, God is with us. So in this promise here, we can see the fulfillment of it that Joseph had just received news from his bride-to-be that she was expecting. And the story she came up with is that God did this to me. That God did this to me. Now Joseph didn't know what to do with this while he thought on these things. God sent an angel to say, listen, this is true. That she is with child and you had nothing to do with it. Neither did any man. That God himself, the Holy Spirit, uh, formed this child inside of her womb. This is a supernatural event. And it goes back and gives the promise that a virgin shall, shall, um, shall conceive and shall bring forth a son. Now in this we see that Joseph had nothing to do with this. He is separate. This was something Jesus Christ was made of a woman. He was virgin birth. He was God robed in flesh in a supernatural birth and something that could not happen. Fulfilled prophecies that had been given all the way to Genesis that it was going to be the woman's seed that was going to bring forth the destruction against Satan. And of course Jesus Christ was of the woman's seed. And that he was supernaturally born, made of a woman. Now, by the way, why is the virgin birth so important? Well, we understand theologically, according to the Bible, that we inherit our sin nature from our fathers. Yes, gentlemen, it's all your fault. And so, in this idea that the, the sin nature was passed from the father... Jesus Christ being born of a woman did not have a human father. Therefore could not inherit a sin nature. Who was his father? His father was almighty God. In fact, Jesus Christ is God robed in flesh. He did not have a sin nature and he did not inherit a sin nature. That his birth was a miraculous fulfillment of prophecy. That, of course, he is blood related to David through Mary's bloodline. And he inherits the kingdom, the throne of David through his stepfather Joseph. But God had made a specific promise 
that Jesus Christ was to be born of a woman, made of a woman, and it was fulfilled. Now turn back with me to the book of Galatians chapter number 4. And I want to continue with this idea. That we know that Jesus Christ, he was born of a woman. And when he was born of a woman, it satisfied and took care of the lineage of Jesus Christ. Remember, we had an issue. We have several issues. First of all, Jesus could not inherit a sin nature. How was that bypassed? He did not have a human father. We also know that there was another problem inside of the lineage of Christ. That there was a king who had aggravated God so bad that God cursed anyone blood related to that king and was going to sit on the throne. Well, if the lineage, the kingdom um, lineage was to be carried out through that line, how in the world do you bypass that curse? Well, you allow Jesus to have a stepfather who inherited the kingdom, that title. But he was blood related in a different way. So he was not blood related to that king. He just inherited the kingdom from that lineage. So again, God bypassed and took care of it. Now again, these were big problems. And God said, not a problem. No problem at all. In fact, everything that God does is perfect. Which brings me to the second thing and where we're going to spend the rest of our time. The book of Galatians chapter number 4. And notice with me in verse 4. It says, but... When the fullness of time was come. In the fullness of time was come. God sent forth his son. I know that you've already taken some time to underline the phrase made of a woman. But if you wouldn't mind I would also like you to underline that phrase. When the fullness of time was come. When the fullness of time was come. That idea of the fullness of time carries the idea of the most perfect time in history. The most perfect time in history. Now with that, I want you to think about this. We have Adam and Eve and they get the first promise of Redeemer. Do you know Eve was actually expecting the Redeemer to be her next son? That's why when she had Cain, she said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. But he quickly showed her this was not the Redeemer, not the promised one. This was someone who was something else. Then as time went on, you had Abraham. Abraham, who was in this lineage. And God said, Abraham, you're going to have a child. And from this child, you are going to bless all the nations. And from this seed. And Abraham said, this is nice, but I'm 70 and I don't have a child. Hey God, this is nice, but I'm 80 and I don't have a child. Hey God, that's really nice, but I'm 90, but I don't have a child. Hey God, I'm 100. Guess what I finally got? A child. And it could have been, was this the fulfillment of all the promises? It was the fulfillment of a promise, but it was not the perfect fulfillment. That later on, Abraham was going to have a seed that was going to carry out. Here's King David, part of that same lineage, the lineage of Adam, the lineage of Abraham. And now you have David and David said, as with God, God says, David, you're the man after my own heart. I so thank you. 
I, I think a lot of you. I want to bless you. I'm going to exalt your name. By the way, I am going to make it so your kingdom will last forever. How does that sound? Good. And so David said, guess what? I'm going to have a son. And this son is going to be the carried out of this. And instead, he got Absalom. Who was not the perfect son and not the perfect king and caused David a lot of harm. But the lineage went on. Why would God wait to give his son? Why didn't he do it right after Adam and Eve? Why didn't he do it right after Abraham? Why didn't he do it right after David? Why did he let it go on and on and on? Because the Bible says, but when the fullness of time was come. The most perfect time in all of history for the gospel to be spread. For everyone to hear about the name of Christ. Go back. Adam and Eve. They go ahead and the son is produced. Well, guess what? You wouldn't exist to be saved. Aren't you glad that God waited? As time went on, you have Abraham. And Abraham could have had the promised son and had the redeemer then. Well, if that happened, Abraham was kind of isolated out in the middle of nowhere. There wasn't a lot of people. Because of Abraham, he had influence, but the gospel wouldn't have spread from that time. You go up to David. You have David. And David's the king of a nation. But if you ever look at Israel on a map, it's a little small rinky-dink nation. It's not that big at all. It didn't have enough influence for China to hear. For Europe to hear. And the timing wasn't perfect. Europe wasn't, wasn't a big standing. Everything else needed to fall in place. It was not the perfect timing. Why did God wait till when Jesus Christ was born? When the fullness of time was come. The most perfect time in all of history. In fact, for it to be the most perfect time in history, three uh, cultures, three people groups, three things had to be set in order. In order for it to be the most perfect time in all of history for the gospel to be spread. Those three people groups would be the Greeks, the Romans, and the Jews. How do they portray in this? Well, let's cover the Greeks first. Well, remember that as time went on, we have the world empires, right? Class, we have Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greeks, and Romans. Well, as the Bible history went on, the Assyrians came and went, the Babylonians came and went. But the thing that the, both the uh, Babylonians and Assyrians did is they scattered the Jews. We'll get back to that in a second. After the... Um, after the Babylonians came the Persians. And the Persians allowed the Hebrew people to go back home. But then the Persians were taken over by the Greeks. Specifically by the man known as Alexander the Great. Now when Alexander the Great began the conquest of the world. He was convinced that Greek culture was the best. If you're not Greek, you're not right. You would need to be Greek. So everywhere he went, he conquered, renamed cities into Greek cities, and then caused it so everyone had to learn the Greek language. So everyone had to speak Greek. And so, by the way, as Alexander the Great conquered the known world and the Greek language spread, it became the trade language to the time of Jesus Christ. 
And so when Jesus Christ was born in the fullness of time, the most perfect part of history, no matter where you went in the known world, someone could speak Greek. By the way, what language was our New Testament um, scriptures written in? Greek. And so God made it so you didn't have to learn a new language. No matter where you went, no matter where Paul went on his missionary journeys, there was always someone who could speak Greek. And this allowed the rapid spread of the gospel to all of the world. That's one part of it. Something else about the Greeks is that they had a philosophical idealism, meaning that they logically thought thought through things looking for answers. There was a natural curiosity by the Greek people that they always wanted to find the answers. Well, the good news is, here's the answer. And when you have a culture, a mindset of people who are looking for answers, the most perfect time in history is when they're all looking for it. And God says, in the fullness of time, here is your answers. Something else about the the Greeks is that they had a religion that was devoid of life. What does that mean? They had lots of gods, plenty of gods, hundreds of gods. But their gods were not real and they knew them. They knew that their religion didn't have life to it at all. And so they looked at their empty religion and when the fullness of time was come, God provided them a real savior. Someone that they could know. Well, that covered the Greeks. After that, we also came, the fullness of time, the Romans came. Now, the Greeks were conquered by the Romans. And the Romans provided another step, another piece of the puzzle to allow the rapid spread of the gospel. What was it? Well, first of all, there was a Pax Romana, which meant the Roman peace. And with this, they Romans built Roman roads all throughout the known world. Now, when the Romans built Roman roads, they did it with a purpose to allow quick travel. So what does this mean? That means all of their roads were straight, praise God, not Wisconsin roads. They were all straight. And if they came to a hill or a mountain, they would level the hill or the mountain. So that way you didn't have to go up hills. You went straight. And if there was a valley, they would fill in the valley. So the roads were straight. They didn't go up and down and they didn't go sideways. They made it so you had quick travel. You could make quick travel no matter where you are. By the way, their roads were so great that the Roman roads, 2,000 years later, some of them are still in existence. Definitely not built by Wisconsin Department of Transportation. And so the Romans made it so there was a, a quick roads to travel everywhere. But on top of that, the Romans also patrolled the roads. And they bragged that if you were a Roman citizen, no matter where you went in the empire, you would be safe. So again, this allowed a quick spread of the gospel. Because not only did you have a common language throughout all of the world, that everywhere you went, someone was able to speak Greek. But now, you could travel wherever you wanted in the world in relative ease, speed, and safety. Now, if you're going to be a missionary spreading the gospel, don't you want relative ease and safety of travel? Absolutely. And this, again, 
allowed it so people could travel in safety. And they can go ahead and give the gospel no matter where they went and didn't necessarily have to learn another language. That there was an automatic um, <coughs> uh, availability for people to hear. Now, a couple of minor things with the Romans is that they already had a pragmatic uh, worldview, meaning that if it works, we'll take that. So they were willing to replace what they had with something that worked better. They also had a religion without morality. Sure, they had religion, but they could also do whatever they wanted. And that left an emptiness and consequences. Something else about the Roman empires that they had religious toleration meaning that for the most part you could believe whatever you wanted and they didn't care so there was no major persecution at the time of Jesus Christ from the Romans Jewish people were different but from the Romans at the very beginning there was no persecution you could go ahead and travel wherever you wanted which brought us to the third people group and that was the Jewish people their contributions now, the Jewish people, after they came back from Babylon, became some of the most monotheistic people there were. And so they said, we're going to worship God and we're going to be serious about our worship. A second thing, as we're building up to it, is that whenever the Jewish people were... And by the way, they were scattered because of the Assyrians and because of the Babylonians. God had scattered the Jewish people all around the world. So instead of keeping them in their small little corner, there were Jewish people all over. In Alexandria, Egypt, inside of Europe, inside of Persia, inside of all of the Roman Empire. There were little pockets of Jewish people. By the way... Wasn't God smart by allowing the Assyrians to take over the northern kingdom and scatter them? Wasn't God smart and wise by allowing the, the, the southern kingdom to be destroyed by the Babylonians and scatter them all over? And very few of them returned back? However, they became monotheistic, meaning like there's only one God and we're going to serve the God and we're going to be serious about the God. Now they're scattered all over the place. There became a new type of... Uh, following after God, meaning they could not go to the temple because the temple had been destroyed and they were used to being scattered. Now they had something called a synagogue. A synagogue is equivalent to almost like our church, meaning that people would gather together and they would be taught the scriptures. Now with the synagogues, they had a rule that for every 10 families or every 12 males, you started a new synagogue. And so if you were in a place where there were 24 uh, Hebrew people, guess what? There would be two synagogues. And so now the synagogues would scatter that whenever there was a group of 10 families or 12 males, a brand new synagogue was started for the purpose of learning the scriptures, which brought something else. That in each one of the synagogues, it was very important that everyone had access to their own copy of the scriptures. That meant that every synagogue was responsible of making sure they had a copy of the scriptures there available. Now remember, the Jewish people are not in one place, but they're scattered throughout the world. And whenever there's pockets of them, there's a synagogue. And in every synagogue, there are scriptures. And by the way, where did we learn about Jesus Christ? In the scriptures. And so as the missionaries were able to spread, wherever they went, 
They can go in relatively safety and quick travel. No matter where they went, there was someone who was able to speak Greek and understand what they were saying. And wherever they went, they also had a handy copy of the scriptures where they could show people for themselves from their Bible, from their own synagogue about the story of Jesus Christ. Now all of these together mixed together for the fullness of time. They mixed together to create a perfect storm. The most perfect time in history for Jesus to live and to die. By the way just to show the most perfect time where Jesus had his public ministry up in Galilee and Capernaum. That was a major trade route between uh, Africa to Europe. From Europe to Asia. From Asia to Africa. It made a crossroads right there. And said at any time. There was about 70 different languages spoken. Around the Capernaum area. And so now. Not only do you have missionaries. Who could travel throughout the world. Not only could they go in safety. And no matter what they went. People were able to understand them. Not only that. But they could also go to a synagogue. And have the scriptures. But where Jesus had his public ministry at, the people were able to hear from Jesus and go back to their homelands and also spread the news. You see, everything that God does is perfect. And with this, when Jesus Christ was born made of a woman, he did it in the fullness of time, the most perfect time in all of history to allow the good news that Jesus Christ died for sinners to spread as quickly, as rapidly, as efficiently, and as, as um, protected as possible. No other time would have provided that perfect set of conditions than the time that Jesus Christ was born. What do we learn from the whole lineage of Christ? What do we learn from the birth of Jesus Christ? That we have a God who knows the end from the beginning. We see a God who is in control of all of history. And there is no plan B. There is no plan C. That everything was just as God saw it. Just as God put it in order. And he put it there. Yes, man can make mistakes. And God can even use our human mistakes to still get across his will. Think about the Babylonians taking over... Um, taking over the Hebrew people. Now, did God want that to happen? No, but he sent Jeremiah to preach for 40 years. Did the people listen to him? No. So God used it as he's still keeping his word to destroy Jerusalem, taking those people and scattering them all about. Now, the people said, this is the worst thing that ever happened to us. God said, just wait, I got a purpose for this. I got you where you're supposed to be for a reason, because later on, you're going to form a synagogue. Later on, you're going to have a copy of the scripture. And later on, a missionary is going to come and take that scripture and tell you more about Jesus. See, God knew what he was doing after all. Throughout all the lineage of Christ, you look at some of the people in the lineage and you say, how can this be in the lineage of Christ? Look at this person. Look at this. Look how bad they messed up. And God says, yep, they messed up and I wish they didn't. But... I'm able to use their human mistakes and still get accomplished exactly what I want to get done. You say, give me an example. Well, there was a man by the name of David who committed adultery with another woman. 
and then killed her husband. You say, that's awful. How can God use such a thing? Because David had a son in that marriage by the name of Solomon, who built the temple and became one of the greatest kings that he had. You said, did God endorse that sin? Not at all. But he's able to use our human mistakes and still get his will accomplished because he's that great of a God. What I want to do is I want to encourage you today and through this whole series, there's a God who knows what he's doing. That God, when he's given you something to do, he's already calculated all of your mistakes and is still asked you to do his work anyways. He's already saw all of your failings, your shortcomings, your limitations. And he says, I planned for that. It's not going to be an issue. Do what I've asked you to do. Isn't that a wonderful God? You know, the fullness of time was not just history. But these are specific events. Specific things that had to be put into place. And by the way, God just doesn't look at the big picture. He looks at your picture. And he sees your life. And he sees the things in it. And he's able to plan for your mistakes, your shortcomings, your limitations. And he already has it in control. It didn't knock them off balance. It didn't catch them unawares. It didn't make them go, oh, man, what am I going to do with these people? But instead, he says, I still got a plan for you. And yes, we're going to pick you up from where you are. And we're going to move forward. But there's still a plan for your life. When the fullness of time was come. In the most perfect time of history. An amazing statement is found in the book of Esther. Esther 4.14 which says, For a time such as this. Do you know why God has created you today? In this time frame. You said I wanted to be born in the old west. I should have been a cowboy. Or I would have been better in the 22nd century. Or it could have been something else. Why this family? Why this? Why here? Because when the fullness of time has come. God has put you here for such a time as this. It is no accident that you are in this church at this time. He's put you here for such a time as this. In the fullness of time, God has got a plan. He's got something in mind. He's putting the pieces together. He's lining them all up. And it is no accident. You did not find yourself a part of this church as an accident. You didn't say, well, I didn't have anything else to do. I just stumbled in here one day. No, God was leading you. God was putting things there. He was putting me here. He was putting things in order for time such as this. In the fullness of time. In the perfect time of what He wants to get accomplished. In your life, in the life of this church, when the fullness of time was come. And so the question is, not is God knows what he's doing. That's not the question. The question is, can you trust that God? Can you trust that God? With your limitations, with your problems, with your shortcomings, with your failings, with your past, with your future. God already has it all calculated. Can you trust him? Can you trust him? Would you be willing to follow him? He has made no mistake. 
Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.